Hi there, this is Don. And this is Phil. And together we're the Everly Brothers. Pleasure to have you guys with us and, uh, you know, take this time with us. Over the next hour, we are going to uh, look through some of your musical material in the past, and uh, everybody asks you where it all began, and I think it's probably a corny line, but uh, people are interested. Where did it all begin for the Everly Brothers? Well, it began uh, as the Everly family years ago, um, I would say, and I was in Iowa. We had our first uh, radio job as the Everly family. Mom and Dad were uh, country singers, and uh, sort of we sang uh, country music and gospel music, early morning radio when they had live entertainment. Before records and television. Before television. <laughs> it was just before the second crusade. Yeah, you know. <laughs> in the moats and yeah. in the thralls. That's the way it really sort of started. And then when live radios, we were doing it, sort of uh, died out. Um, we branched off into records. How did it happen, though? I know you were telling me in the club the other night about 1955 when the uh, radio show with the family kind of, or 54, whatever it was, came to an end. What made you, or what prompted you two to go into records yourself? Well, uh... Just right about the time the radio shows it did sort of die out, uh, Chet Atkins came into Knoxville, Tennessee, where we were working at the time, listened to some of the songs that we had written and suggested we come to Nashville and he would see what he could do with, you know, as far as a record contract was concerned. So we went over there to Nashville and we wrote some songs for some country acts. Kitty Wells had a hit that we wrote. What was that one? It's called Thou Shall Not Steal. Oh, I remember that. You remember you've that? done a... Uh, was that the same one that Dick and Dee no, did? No, no, it's no, a different, different song. Different thing? No, this was, I guess, in 55, uh, 54 or 55 that she recorded that. It was right after the very big smash hit, One by One. Remember her in oh, Red Foley? Yes, I do, right. It was the follow-up <laughs> to that. It did quite well. Louisiana Hayride at one time, they both went yeah. on, I think it was the name. Well, anyway, that sort of... Uh, give us a little bit of financial backing, enough to get us in a union, buy us a suit of clothes, you know, <laughs> and get us over in Nashville so we could audition. I'd hate to ask what you were wearing up to that point. Yeah, well, it was, uh, we had a Tarzan t-shirt. Tarzan for the loincloth. Yeah. <laughs> T-shirts and jeans. <laughs> uh, bye Bye Love, uh, am I right in assuming this was written by Boudlow Bryant? That's right. Boudelow I don't even have any notes on that, it's just that the, this fellow seems to write so many things. I remember back in the uh, Don you particularly around my age uh, 19 would remember uh, <laughs> Hey Joe with Frankie Lane or I think the country field yeah. had Hey Joe too and that was a Boodle O'Brien yes it was Carl Smith originally had it did you have any problems I know when this all began for you guys a lot of people said well they're country singers however people like Presley were on the scene and, uh, and Johnny Cash particularly and they were selling things did you run into any problems well, at, the, at the time that was the time when anybody with a guitar First of all, the public really said, well, maybe that's a banjo. They're not too sure yet, you know, yeah, right. whether it's a guitar or banjo. Anybody with a guitar was considered country singer and was supposed to wear Western clothes, which Phil and I hated. You know, we weren't cowboys, and we didn't feel like cowboys. Didn't want all the sequins. No. <laughs> uh, we, we thought about it, <laughs> but uh, we, di we didn't really uh, care f for that as much, and our hair was kind of long, too, at the time, and uh, which sort of took you out of the cowboy field. Hey, we'll move that ashtray over a little bit. And here. then all, you know, and then uh, uh, the first song, Bye Bye Love, that we recorded uh, went pop. It was a giant, too. What, what did it sell? Do you happen to know? About a million and a half. That's in the States. With Archie States. Blyer. Yeah. With Archie Blyer, I was just wondering, being the fact that you recorded for his company for a few years, uh, I don't think the company's in existence anymore, is it? No, uh, uh, it's not. Uh, he has, I guess, disbanded, disbanded the company. Uh, they had the first family, they had Millars, and then they had Andy Williams, the first family album. Well, uh, by the way, Archie is Phil's father-in-law. Is that right? How's yes. your daddy-in-law? <laughs> oh, he's fine. You know, they, uh, he's, um, 
He still lives in New York, but he doesn't. He's not running a record company anymore. He's not. You were mentioning too the other night at the club that uh, he does something in England or did something in England. What was that? Um, well, he went went there. <laughs> That's, I don't. Well, oh, no, I remember it was the films you were talking about. Oh, we did. Uh, that was in 1958 with um, um, Andy Williams, the Cordettes, and, and Don and I. Um, we all uh, Archie Bard took the whole label to Europe and did a series of, of like promotional films. And it just so happened last year I saw that film in in Stockholm. One of the ones we we have done. And um, it was kind of funny to see because Andy was then, you know, uh, Andy now has his own television show, but uh, <laughs> at that time, you know, it was just sort of funny to see him, you know. I think that uh, a lot of the people feel that uh, the country thing is so big today, and I think that people like you are responsible. Another area I was going to get into is the fact that I think the, the Everly Brothers, without, you know, saying this just because you're here, I think a lot of people in the business realize that your act was responsible for so many other acts to be able to do what they have done. In other words, groups or uh, two people. I love the Kalen twins when they were around, mm-hmm. or the Righteous Brothers who are still around today. I think you fellas cut the way for this, made it uh, at the time, acceptable. Uh, I've thought about that a little bit. And at the time, I remember, I sort of thought, well, maybe two people was sort of, uh, you know, a group sound. When we first came out, wasn't the necessarily the thing that was really happening. You know, it was like Elvis and and uh, single Frank, idols. you know, single idols right. is what was happening. And I thought, well, maybe this is holding us back. But I think in the long run, the long stretch, it was the, the best thing. Matter you of know? fact, I, w- I would say that your harmony even uh, preceded and was a, a sort of an indication for people like the Beatles to get off the ground when you really get down to it. Now, you're not going to say that, but I'm saying that. Uh, <laughs> All right. If you, you want to go back even further, though, Red, you know, I think that uh, uh, really the main one is when it comes to Presley. Because Presley kicked down every door there was, every bar against, because that was the bridge between, well, even further is Bill Haley. But that's the bridge between uh, kind of a southern kind of music and yeah. uh, pop music. Matter of fact, when I first heard Elvis about 1954, I thought he was a, you know, a colored singer. I really did. Singing country. I couldn't figure it out. And, it, and then, of course, it, it evolved. combination, yeah. It evolved into what it is today. But I just think of the other groups. Matter of fact, I don't know if you were ever aware of a record called uh, Just To Be Loved with uh, two fellows. I don't know anything about them a few years ago called Curtis and Dell. When I first heard this record, I was writing in my car and I thought, gee, the Everly Brothers have a new one. These fellows sounded like you. I guess this is a thing that happens all the time with entertainers who have made it. Other people come along and uh, emanate the sound or whatever. I t- it's, a, it's a form of flattery, though. It, I think that it's necessary to sort of sustain yourself for other people to uh, try to imitate or do your songs in the, in the sound. I think that... Uh, a lot of times, too, though, it's just a matter of, of, of uh, they're listening to uh, music and it's influencing them subconsciously, really. You know, it's not even conscious. And it just sort of comes out that way. And because people have a tendency to do what's happening, you know? Well, it's Sunday night, and I was just thinking of another fellow from Nashville's in town tonight. And uh, his name is Roy Orbison. And Roy composed a song called Claudette, which both of you recorded. Uh, I think it was for Archie Blyer at the time. Is there any story on this, or did it just fall into your hands, Claudette? Oh, well, uh, we were doing a show. I forget exactly where. I think Outside it, of Chicago. Outside in, yeah, Illinois or Indiana, somewhere along in there. And uh, Roy was on the show. And uh, between shows, I think we were all sitting in the dressing room, and Roy sang uh, the song Claudette to us. And we said, great, great, great. We want to record it. And Come on says, to Nashville. Come on to Nashville. So he proceeded down to Nashville, and we cut the song Claudette. So many times I've met Roy over the years, he has to be the shyest guy I've ever met. <laughs> no, you know. one of the nicest, yes, too. Really, yeah. He's a very nice person. He's very quiet. 